missed that. I never want to move too fast. That I move past what God is trying to do. Amen. I'm picking up the last part of what we've talked about for, of course, last week was different. That was wonderful. That was just the presence of the Lord just coming in and giving us a kiss, it felt like. <clears throat> but I've been talking about praise, and I've been talking about thanksgiving. Uh, started three weeks ago. So three weeks ago, we were in Philippians, the fourth chapter. The week after that, we were in Psalms 100. And so when we were in Philippians, I'm actually going to touch one more verse. We, we were in verses four, chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. And uh, talking about the power and the importance of being thankful and having praise inside of us. And the verse number 6, it said, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So the, the vehicle which you make your request known to God was, was thanksgiving. We learned that. But through the vehicle of thanksgiving, I make my request made, made known to God. And that, that interferes with, it throws a kink in, in our uh, way of giving thanks because there's a way that we've learned to give thanks in an earthly realm that we give thanks after an action that we like has taken place. Then we give thanks. But in the heavenly realm, He's saying that your praise and your thanks is a prophetic response. It hasn't happened yet, but you believe it's going to, right? Faith that it will happen. And then in Psalms 100, verse 4, we, we talked about enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. And I just mentioned just a little bit of that. His gates were the assembling of his people, his courts, was an area that was, would be fenced off. And that's what he does to us. He, when, when we praise him, he goes to the praise. He's, he's drawn to the praise. The, the Word of God says that he is a jealous God. It says that he inhabits the praises of his people. We even talked about that a minute last year, how in the Old Testament he came and visited. But in the New Testament, according to um, Ephesians, the last Verse or two of the second chapter, he said that this will be done for habitation. He wants not, not just visitation anymore. He wants to move past visitation. He wants to live inside of us. That, that is what his plan is. So we talked about that, and we talked about in that, that passage of Psalm 100 that there are seven uh, Hebrew words for praise, and in one verse, four of those words are used in just one Verse, be thankful unto him and bless his name. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. 
Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Being thankful was the yada, the casting. We talked about that, extended arms to him. And bless his name was the word barak that meant bended knee, to, to kneel in his name. And when you kneel in someone's presence, you, you're, we talked about that, <laughs> making myself lower. I can't really magnify God, but I can make myself lower. Matter of fact, in, in John 3.30, he must increase, I must decrease, right? So with, with, with all of that, we're, we're learning how to praise him on, on a different level past just praise the Lord, just, just, just praise the Lord. I grew up, people would, uh, you know, you learn to be selective who you tell your problems to, right? And when all I could get out of somebody after I'd spilled my heart was, well, just be thankful and praise the Lord. I'd be like, I hadn't already thought of that. <laughs> Anything else, any more wisdom you can help a brother out on? Because there, there's, there's more. And people of old got that. And they had names and and they, they knew that the extent that the proclamation of praise, that they, they had a word for that. And then they had a word when the when the hands went forward. That they had a word for that it meant something to them. They recognized that that was what was going on. And and the bended knee and the kneeling down and that meant something to them and it means something to God. But if you look at Philippians 4 and verse 8. He said, finally, my brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Meditate on these things. That word meditate actually means something different. I know I've preached it before. This word, but it doesn't even make sense until you understand, oh, okay, it does make sense. To meditate actually meant to chew the cud. A cow chews its cud. A cow chews its cud because a cow has been created with a four-chambered stomach. And in its initial Eating of, of, of hay, hay is rough. A matter of fact, there's some things they, they give cow, cattle, and one of them it, that is hay is in this classification of, of roughage. So the first chew doesn't get it. So they belch it back up, and they chew it until it becomes workable, till it can go to the next chamber of their stomach. And... When it comes to God's Word, we have to activate our mind through meditation. And the world has hijacked this. They put their own twist on it, forgot all about giving God credit for this, charge you to learn how to do it, and it actually has some value to it because it works not because men came up with it, but it was God's principle. It's amazing to me how many of God's principles have been hijacked, giving Him no credit, and they work. But instead of giving God credit, they give you a bill for something that they hijacked 
from God. And it still works because it belongs to Him. Amen? I know I'm starting slow, but I'm going to get somewhere. He said, think on these things. So you meditate on these things. And what you're doing by meditation is bringing the thoughts back to your mind and letting them work out and processing them. There, there are things that, that my wife has, has noticed in our children, and, and I want to go talk to them about it. I want to go talk and talk. She said, wait, you, let, let's, let them, let's let them process it first. Process it first. Process. Don't disturb the process. Don't all, you don't always need to rescue your kids first. First thing. Some things they got to learn on their own. And I'll just say amen to that one by myself. Okay. Um, so, you're actually extracting every nutrient. That's what the cow is doing. When he's chewing the cut, he's extracting every nutrient and, and making the food more digestible. And at the end of the day, the food moves all the way through the animal, but it takes a process to get there. So when something faces you, it may need to go through this chamber and this chamber of thinking and this chamber of thinking until you get it all the way through because this is what has to happen. It has to be processed through your mind. And, and that is why Scripture says, think on these things. Do you know why the Bible says, set your mind on things? Because your mind needs to be set. You know why your mind needs to be set? It needs to be set and set again, which is to reset, right? Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. New again. There are some things that, that become new all over again to me. Okay, so we decorated Friday night. Friday night, we decorated. I had two or three people pass by me and say, Hey, Pastor John, I like your jacket. I like it too. I've been liking it for about four or five years. I, I, it's been in my possession. I wear it more than anything in the winter. It's a little North Face puffy puffer jacket. But to them, it was new. To me, I've had it for five years. And in five years, they ain't never, I know who said it. They ain't never said nothing about that jacket. But it became new to them even though it wasn't new to me. You understand what I'm saying with that? So, Okay, let me put it in a different way. You ever say something to your kid as you're instructing them, your child, and you say it to them again. And sometimes it feels like you say it to them on the weekly and on the daily. And sometimes it feels like, I don't know if I can say it any more times. And all of a sudden, they come home to you from some camp or something. You already know what I'm going to say. Guess what I learned? And that's the first time you ever heard that? What we have here is failure. I got to get you all out of this thing somehow. So the mind has to be. Reset. 
renewed. Why? It becomes hardwired. You know your mind can become hardwired? So, so Walker is learning to drive right now. And he is a rigid mess. He drove for the first time this weekend. It, it, it wasn't raining while he was driving, but there was rain on top of the vehicle. So when we backed out of the driveway and started going back down, and we get to the stop sign, here comes all the rain, you know, down the, down the windshield. And so I, he's like, where's the, where's the wiper thing? <laughs> so I'm reaching over there, hitting that for him, and he's like this, and, and everything is tense, and and, and rigid, and, and it's, it's first time, and he's got to get it right. And I didn't put any pressure on him. I just told him, I said, Walker, now, you know, our safety of our whole family is in your hands right now, son. <laughs> but things that he are, is learning right now will become so hardwired in him that it will become second nature. A defaulting will take place. You'll be amazed, Walker. Now that, that he has never told me, Dad, stay in your lane until he started driving. Daddy, Daddy, use your signal. I've been using signals for 40 years. I mean, he's like rigid, he's a rule keeper. Not to pick on the female sex but you will find that we can become so hardwired that everything that you're rigid about you'll find that some females have figured out that they can drive with one hand And, and do the brush and the, and the makeup. And, and buy, I don't know how they started off at work, but by the time they get to work, they're, they're there. They're there. Not just that. You'll find people that can drive. And can can, can y'all handle it whenever all the traffic is going and you're behind the person that's doing this? And I give them about 50 yards. But once 50 yards happen, son, what happens? Like I helped him find the windshield wipers. I helped him find the horn the other day. They need to know it's been long enough. And they, they look up and they can't complain. They just, they just take off because traffic's way up there. I just thought, I thought they should know. I thought they should have some help knowing. <laughs> Where your mind goes, your body follows. Right? Where your mind goes, your body follows. Darlene works with labor and delivery. It's why you're born head first. Where your mind goes, your body follows. Right? In the normal sequence of things, that's the way it's supposed to work. I know you could throw me a, a technical term out there. Thinking patterns can become hardwired. 
thinking patterns can become negative. But that's why we have to renew our mind. That's in the renewing of our mind, we fix our default settings. We come back to where we're supposed to be. You, you remember your, your GPS, you'd get off track and it would all of a sudden start spinning and say, recalculating. I'm still going to get you there. I just got to take a second to figure out where you're at and let you know how I can get you back to where you need to be going. Renewing our mind. And you don't want negativity to become your default setting. A long time ago, I, I told you this. Your tomorrow will be like your today because your today was like your yesterday. Think about that for a second. Your tomorrow, Monday, will be like your Sunday because your Sunday looked a lot like your Saturday. I'm not talking about what you did. I'm talking about where your mind was at. On Monday, your mind will probably be where it was at Sunday because where it's at today is where it was at yesterday. You just went to church today. Does that make sense to anybody? How do you, you break that? Your tomorrow is your today unless you learn something different. And then you apply that to your life. Reset your mind. Rewire your mind. You come to church to learn things to go into your mental arsenal of how to handle your week. Because though you went to church on Sunday, it does not get you through to another Sunday. It doesn't give you a free pass. And the enemy won't mess with you since you went to church today. That's not the case at all. Is it? Because if it is, I need, I need to learn that. So you can start fixing tomorrow by dealing with today. Things that you haven't dealt with so far. The, the, the world has even hijacked that term right there. They call it paying it forward. So cute. Paying it forward. Such a cute term. You have a brain. Look at your neighbor and tell them you got a brain. Believe it or not, you've got a brain. If you're sitting beside your teenager, you've got a brain. We're going to get there somehow. We're going to find it. Your brain has an emotional side. Your brain has a logical side. I don't know right brain, left brain. I don't, I'm not that smart, but I do know that you've got an emotional side. And you have a logical side. And, and you need to work towards those things being balanced. That, that, that works. That, that works at home. It works on the job. It works in society. It works in the culture. You, you, you got to live your life balanced. Again, these things get hijacked 
If we would just simply go back to the Word of God, we would figure it out. It would make sense for us. There's this thing of reasoning that has to take place. And the reasoning can only take place if the emotional side and the logical side are, 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 are able to wrap around. You, you ever use that term, term for somebody like, I just need to wrap my mind around it. I need to wrap my whole mind around it. Sometimes my logical side gets in there, and it's, it's, it's got the emotional side surrounded. And then sometimes the emotional side attaches itself to it, and the logical side can't get in there and make any decisions because I've allowed the emotional side too much territory in my mind. Has anybody else done that? Now, if we would handle that the way the Word says and let our mind be renewed, we would be good right there. But everything's not on the same level of concern, at least. And there's some things, even though I come on Sunday and I get it, get my mind right, by the time I get out of here, something happens. And there's a vortex. I get sucked down. We, we, we talked about that. We, we talked about anxiety. We talked about Philippians 4, what he says, don't. Be anxious about anything, but everything by prayer and supplication with the vehicle of thanksgiving. Let your petitions be known to God. What he's saying is your mind needs to be engaged. So let, let me just read through some information for you so, so you'll help. See, see, we have words like neurological. That means stuff going on inside of your brain. God knew all of that when he made you. Do you understand he made you? And a book isn't your way out. God is your way out. So there are neurological implications of praise. There, there, there are neurological implications of thanksgiving. That's why some people just tell you, don't worry, be happy, right? Do, 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 do. It works for a minute because it's his principle. Think positively. When I was in college, this man in his 90s came to our college, and I wasn't into going and hearing him. I wish I would have now. His name was Norman Vincent Peale. Yeah, but I was too cool for Norman Vincent Peale. I wanted to go to the lake instead on my motorcycle, so that's what I did. So I missed out on Norman Vincent Peale. He came up with the power of positive thinking, okay? There are neurological implications of praise. There may have been some hijacking going on there. That whenever I am overwhelmed with anxiety and fear, the emotional part of my brain stops communicating with the logical part of my brain. But the expression of gratitude... All of a sudden, something changes. The Bible calls it 
being mindful. Being mindful. Letting my mind be full. Gratitude requires mindfulness. Gratitude requires that I reflect on facts when I'm afraid. When I'm afraid, I'm afraid. There's no such thing as being afraid and not being afraid. When you're afraid, you're afraid. And the scriptures that I, that I know that say, fear not and, and don't be anxious for anything, sometimes I get afraid. If we're just going to be honest, sometimes I get afraid. Anybody else? Okay, so we're not liars. But we can deal with this according to his word. When I'm afraid, I'm afraid. I, I, I get anxious. I get worried. I get fearful. First John says this. It says, fear hath torment. You remember that scripture? Fear hath torment. Anybody been tormented with fear? You know what that is? That's anxiety. Anxiety, I believe, is fear's torment. Anxiety. And he says, don't be anxious for anything. And we talked about that. We, we talked about being, being anxious happens when, when I think about what could happen. And I think about what might happen. And I start thinking about expectations of things that actually never happen. I'm just afraid that they might. Right? Okay. But gratitude is tied to facts, not mights. Not perhapses, not maybes. Gratitude is, is attached to facts, what God has already done. And there needs to be a solid connection in our lives between what God has already done so that we have hope for the future to think if He did that, then this in front of Him and I position myself around that thing to get ahead of it. And I start thinking, just like he, when I was back there and, and he moved me to here by accomplishing this thing, even though I'm right here, I will go right here in my mind and I will grab onto a fact that he touched me and helped me and brought me through. And just like he did that then, he can do that this time too. It has a neurological implication. Instead of going to anxiety, if I go to gratefulness, okay? When my mind defaults back and it begins to learn to be hardwired, rehardwired, rewired back to a place of thanksgiving in Him instead of a place of worry, okay? When I begin to express this Gratitude, just like when we begin to praise. One of those Hebrew words, when we, when we enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. When we bring that praise in, that is biblically correct to sing praises to God. We're actually supposed to sing praises to God. It's, it's, it's one of our responses. When I begin to express gratitude, however I do that, thank you, Lord. Yes, this is, this is massive in front of me, and I don't even know how you're going to do it. I just believe that you're going to. When I begin to express gratitude, it reengages the logical part of my brain. And the logical part of the brain begins to overwhelm the emotional 
part of the brain. And it begins to bring things back. Because I can't thank Him without thinking about Him. It's, it's, it's impossible. Where your mind goes, your body will follow. When I begin to have gratitude, I cannot thank Him without thinking on Him. Otherwise, it'd be like going up to a total stranger saying, thank you, and just walking on. If anybody ever does that to you, the first, and you don't know them, and they walk up to you in a mall, and the first thing they say, they just look and say, thank you, and they just keep walking on. You need to notify security or at least get yourself away because that person's weird. Because... Now, 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 if I know you, and I walk up to you and say, thank you, at Karen's share, you told me about something that you had given me, and I forgot to tell you thank you. You just wanted to make sure I got it. And when she told me, I said, thank you. Yes, I've been using that item. I love that item. And it made sense. Because I could attach a previous action to that that called for thanksgiving. Anything that God has done for you, you need to attach that event to thanksgiving and thank God for that action and and log that inside of you so that the next time something comes, I will come back to God with thanksgiving. And my conversation will start off at a better place with God than being overwhelmed by my emotions. Right? Your mind has the ability to maximize things. And your mind has the ability to minimize things. It is a problem if God does something for us and we were supposed to maximize that and all we do is minimize that. That's a problem. That's a problem. If we don't, your, your mind doesn't know what to do with that because your mind balances things out emotionally and logically and, there, and that happens through gratitude making things come back to a place that you can work from, okay? Neurological implications, all right? I want to give you just a quick example of how this happened. Um, King David. And I know you know the story of David and Goliath. But what did David say? It's in 1 Samuel chapter 17. I didn't give, I forgot to give that one to you. I'll just tell you. When David faced Goliath, and Saul knew that all he had to work with was this one brave boy that wanted to go out and fight, and Saul thought it all out and said, well, I guess the only thing I can do is put my armor on you and give you my sword and go out. And David couldn't even move in that. It's, it's like, I can't, can't do any of that. You can't go in someone else's 
tools. You just can't do that. You've got to go in what God gives you. So what did David do? Everybody else was panicked. Everyone else was anxious. Everyone else was afraid. Goliath was a champion of killers. His whole army was there. He was blaspheming the name of God. He was calling out the Israelite children as it's just so, so just nothing, just every insult he could throw at them. When David talked to Saul and said, I can't, King Saul, I can't wear your stuff. But let me think. Let, let, let me think. And, and as I begin to think, I'll begin to think. Let, let me think of when your servant was out in the field by himself. And a bear came. The hand of God came on me. And I defeated that bear. And then another time, let, 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 let me think another time. I know I'm just a boy, but another time a lion came on me. And I was by myself. But I called on the name of the Lord. And I took that lion with my hand and I killed it with my hand. And I, I want you to know that this blasphemous, uncircumcised, giant named Goliath has come against the name of my Lord that I'm thinking about that rescued me before. And I will defeat this giant today. And I know I've given you this scripture before. You, you, you know this scripture. But it says this, that, that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we can ask or Imagine, to think, imagine, think, imagine, think, imagine. I just need you to know that your thinking needs to go back to a place where he helped you before. Anytime panic or fear tries to set in, you have a strong place inside of you, and it's the platform that he left you at the last time he helped you. He raised me up from where I was at to look at things differently. Time and time again, the Israelites, he would come and rescue them, and they would see his power, and they would go right back to being who they used to be. We do the same thing. We come in every week, and we praise God. And by this afternoon, we can be in a different place, couldn't we? We could be in a place of panic and, and worry and anxiety. But I'm telling you, if we will take the thinking of what God has already done, the thinking of what He's already done, and apply that to our lives. Do you, I, I will end with this, that in the Old Testament, way back when God was about to deliver His people, and before He delivered them, the word came that this is what you need to do. You need to take your families and you need to worship God with all of your heart, soul, mind, strength. And then you need to think on Him. And you need to think of His words every time you rise up and every time you go on a journey 
And every time you come to a place of rest, and then every time you lay your head down to rest, you need to think on the words of the Lord. As you move on, that's Deuteronomy 6. And then you get into Deuteronomy 11. He says the same things again, but he, he starts it with this. He says, now your children have already seen the mighty works that I have done. And he starts listing the mighty works that he's done. I did this. I did this. I delivered them this time. I gave them strength for battle this time. Whenever they needed food, I provided food for them. Whatever they needed, if they needed water, I provided water for them. Your God, your children have already seen what your God has already done for them. So what your job is to do now, they've seen what I've already done. And you need to, from now on, the words that I say and the words that I have done, when you raise up in the morning, when you rise up in the morning, you need to think on my words. When you go on a journey anywhere, you need to think on my words. When you stop to rest, you need to think on my words. And then when you go to sleep at night, you need to think on my words. What does that room leave room for? You tell me. Where's worry at in that equation? Then he goes on to tell them this. What I have done in the past is not even like what I'm going to do. I'm going to take you into a promised land. I'm going to take you into a promised land. And he said this. He said, you had gardens, and in those gardens, you would water on foot. Didn't he say it? You would go. That doesn't look like water. There's my garden. And you would water on foot. Water on foot. Water on foot. He said, but the land that I'm about to take you into is not like the land that you're in right now. Because the land that I'm going to take you into has hills and valleys. And you can't go water that on foot. But the Lord your God will water all of that for you. There's a place that God wants to get us to. We still haven't got there. Still haven't got there. Do you know what wilderness living is? Wilderness living is simply, you could simply define it like this, needing a miracle every day. I need a miracle every day. That's wilderness living. I could live in the place that God has prepared for me. How do I do that? Letting my mind become hardwired with gratitude and thankfulness for what He's already done. Amen? Amen. Amen. Lord, I pray over our minds. I pray that thankfulness and gratitude and praise is not just something that we do for 45 minutes on a Sunday. It's something that is a go-to in our lives. It's always on our lips. Your psalmist said that's the way it should be. Your praise will always be on my lips. In the New Testament, you say, set your mind on these things. You give us a list of wonderful things, and then you say, if there's anything praiseworthy, dig it out. Think on that. You give us a place to park our mind and return to it. God, help us to do it. Help us to do it. 
You, you made this mind. You, you made our brain. You, you compartmentalized our brain. You can bring order to the chaos when we let the logical get messed up and, and, and overtaken by the emotional and, and vice versa. You can bring peace back to our mind. The simple act of thanksgiving. It has to be more than just a day. In November for us. It has to be a part of our daily. And a part of our hourly. And a part of our walk. And, and when we wake up in the morning. And, and when we go wherever we go. And when we stop to rest. And at night when we lay our heads down. Thanksgiving. Let it, let it be a place that is hardwired in us. Where we're always giving you thanks. Always giving you praise, always counting on you, always trusting in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I, I promised Penny, who is Miss Donna's daughter, that we would pray for her. Um, Donna's been, I mean, Miss Donna has been back at she she hasn't left the hospital yet. They were hoping that she's going to get to come home today. She's been in a whole lot of pain and a whole lot of sickness over this surgery. It's not to say that it didn't work, but she's just taking longer to recover. But I know what Miss Donna said. She said, I want God to get glory out of this. And she said this. She said, I, I, I want people to know about the Lord. So without even talking to her, I guarantee you, Miss Donna would say, well, God's just got me here still. I'm going through some things in my body, but somebody else needs to hear about God. Let's pray for her before we go, okay? Father, we thank you for Miss Donna. She is so faithful. She's so, she loves you, God. She trusts you, and she's having a hard time in her body. So, God, we agree together for her pain and for her suffering and that is going to be short-lived, that you use her for your glory. God, she's such a willing servant, but be with her. Give her body peace. Let her recover quickly. We ask it in Jesus' name. And God, keep your hand on us. Keep your hand on us this week as, as we go into our weeks. Let us, because this is, this is a wonderful time of year for, for most people. It's a hard time of year for others. Help us to be mindful of that, God, and to always give you praise to always give you thanks as we have learned that praise is always a proper response to anything that happens in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.